Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. I would like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Jamie Porter, Chief Financial Officer. Please go ahead, Mr. Porter. Thank you, Operator, and thank you to everyone for attending Alamos' fourth quarter and year-end 2020 conference call. In addition to myself, we have on the line today John McCluskey, President and CEO, Peter McPhail, COO, and Scott R.G. Parsons, Vice President of Exploration. To address any questions with respect to our reserve resource update, we also have on the line uh, Mr. Chris Boswick, our Vice President of Technical Services. We will be referring to a presentation during the conference call that's available through the webcast and on our website. I would also like to remind everyone that our presentation will be followed by a question and answer session. As we will be making forward-looking statements during the call, please refer to the cautionary notes included in the presentation, news release, and management's discussion and analysis, as well as the risk factors set out in our annual information form. Technical information in this presentation has been reviewed and approved by Chris Boswick, uh, our v- Vice President of Technical Services and a qualified person. Also, please bear in mind that all of the dollar amounts mentioned in this call are in US dollars unless otherwise noted. Now I'll turn it over to John to provide you with an overview of the quarter and year. Thank you, Jamie. 2020 was trans- transformational for Alamos as we delivered on key catalysts and transitioned to strong free cash flow generation. In July, we completed the lower mine extension at Young-Davidson, announced plans for the Phase 3 expansion at Island Gold, and commenced construction on the Layaki Grande project. These were all achieved while managing our operations through the COVID-19 pandemic. Our health and safety protocols evolved through 2020, and by the end of the year, we had performed over 13,000 COVID-19 tests on Alamos employees, contractors, and visitors as part of our enhanced workplace screening. The testing programs that we implemented have been instrumental in identifying and preventing the spread of the virus at our operations. Our operations performed well in the fourth quarter, and we met full-year production guidance for the sixth consecutive year, producing 427,000 ounces of gold. Total cash costs of $761 per ounce for the year were below our guidance range, while all-in sustaining costs of $1,046 per ounce met guidance. In particular, our Canadian operations had a strong finish to the year. Young-Davidson is starting to hit its stride, with mining rates ramping up to average a new record of 7,650 tons per day in the fourth quarter, exceeding year-end guidance. This drove record quarterly mine site free cash flow of $31 million. Island Gold had another record quarter with respect to production and another record year of mine site free cash flow generating $101 million, a 57% increase from the previous record in 2019. Our strong operating performance combined with a higher gold price drove another solid quarter financially, including operating cash flow of $127 million and free cash flow of $58 million. For the full year, we set a number of new financial records, including record, record operating cash flow of $383 million. We had another successful year 
from an exploration perspective, despite our programs being limited due to COVID-19. Reserves and resources at Island Gold increased an impressive 1 million ounces across all categories, and now total 4.7 million ounces. Since we acquired Island Gold in November 2017, reserves and resources have increased nearly 3 million ounces net of depletion. The million ounces we added in 2020 and continued exploration success demonstrate the significant upside potential beyond what we detailed in the Phase 3 expansion study last year. Globally, our reserves increased slightly to just under 10 million ounces, with growth at Island, Young-Davidson, and Lynn Lake more than replacing mining depletion last year. Looking at slide four, as outlined in December, we expect Young-Davidson to drive a 15% increase in global production to a range of 470,000 to 510,000 ounces, and a 3% decrease in total cash costs to between $710 and $760 per ounce in 2021. All in sustaining costs are expected to remain in a similar range as 2020, reflecting higher sustaining capital at Mulatos for the pre-stripping of the El Salto portion of the pit. Our capital budget is expected to increase from 2020, reflecting a larger exploration program and the ramp-up of spending on the high-return Layaki Grande project and the Phase 3 expansion at Island Gold. Turning now to slide five, the reinvestment into high-return internal growth projects is a key component of our focus on operating a sustainable business model that can support growing returns over the long term. As part of our balanced approach to capital allocation, we expect to fund this growth internally while continuing to generate strong free cash flow, which will further strengthen our balance sheet and support higher dividends to shareholders. Reflecting this strong outlook, we are pleased to announce a further 25% increase in our dividend to an annual rate of $0.10 per share. This marks our second consecutive quarterly increase for a combined increase of 67%. I'll now turn over the call to our CF Jamie Porter to review our financial performance. Jamie. Thank you, John. Moving on to slide six, we ended the year on a very strong note from a financial perspective. We sold 424,000 ounces of gold for record revenues of 748 million in 2020. As John mentioned, Island Gold was the highlight once again, generating a record 101 million in mine site free cash flow. Young Davidson also demonstrated strong free cash flow growth in the second half of the year following the completion of the lower mine expansion, including generating a record 31 million of free cash flow in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter revenues were a record 227 million from sales of 122,000 ounces at an average realized price of $1,860 per ounce. Total cash costs were 733 per ounce, below the low end of full year guidance, and all in sustaining costs of 1,030 per ounce were at the low end of guidance. For the full year, total cash costs and all in sustaining costs met or were better than guidance. Operating cash flow before changing the non-cash working capital improved 55% year over year to a near record 127 million or 32 cents per share in the fourth quarter. For the full year, operating cash flow before change to non-cash working capital was a record of 383 million or 98 cents per share, a 31% increase from the prior record set in 2019. Our reported net earnings of 77 million in the fourth quarter, or 20 cents per share, included unrealized foreign exchange gains of 16 million, which were recorded within deferred taxes and foreign exchange, 
and other one-time gains of $2 million. Excluding these items, our adjusted net earnings were $58 million or $0.15 cents per share. Our full-year adjusted net earnings were $157 million or $0.40 cents per share, representing an 87% increase from 2019. Capital spending totaled $73 million in the fourth quarter, including $28 million of sustaining capital, $42 million of growth capital, and $4 million of capitalized exploration. Growth capital increased with the ramp-up of construction activities at La Yaqui Grande and the Phase Three expansion at Island Gold. For the full year, capital expenditures of $246 million were slightly above guidance, primarily due to higher capital at Young-Davidson, reflecting the COVID-19-related delays in completing the lower mine expansion. We returned $31 million to shareholders in 2020 through dividends and share buybacks, double the amount returned in 2019. With the further 25% increase in the dividend to an annual rate of $0.10 cents per share starting this quarter, we are on track to return $40 million in dividends in 2021. As previously announced, we repaid the $100 million drawn on our revolving credit facility in the fourth quarter and are once again debt-free. We ended the year with $221 million in cash, $44 million of equity securities, and $500 million of undrawn credit capacity. We are well positioned to fund our internal growth projects while continuing to grow our cash position and returns to shareholders. I will now turn the call over to our Chief Operating Officer, Peter McPhail, to provide an overview of our operations. Thank you, Jamie. Moving on to slide seven, Young Davidson continues to perform well, producing 48,000 ounces and generating record mine site free cash flow of 31 million in its first full quarter operating from the new lower mine infrastructure. With a strong finish, full-year production totaled 136,000 ounces, in line with revised guidance. Mining rates increased to average a record 76.50 tons per day in the quarter, exceeding the year-end target. We expect mining rates to average about 7,500 tons per day in the first half of 2021, an increase to the design rate of 8,000 tons per day in the second half of the year. Total cash costs of $792 per ounce and mine site all-in sustaining costs of $934 per ounce in the fourth quarter, <clears throat> we're both down significantly from earlier in the year, reflecting efficiencies of operating from the new lower mine infrastructure. On a full-year basis, both were in line with revised guidance. As previously guided, we expect 2021 production of between 190 and 205,000 ounces, a 45% improvement compared to 2020. Total cash costs and mine site all and sustaining costs are expected to decreased to between $790 and $840 per ounce, and $1,000 and $1,050 per ounce, respectively. We also expect capital spending to decrease significantly to approximately $75 million in 2021 and trend down to a long-term rate of $50 million per year over the next few years, now that the lower mine expansion is behind us. With higher production, lower costs, and lower capital, we expect record mine site free cash flow of $120 million in 2021. Over to slide eight, Island Gold set another quarterly production record, producing 41,000 ounces of gold in the fourth quarter, a total cash cost of $481 per ounce, and mine site all in sustaining costs of $676 per ounce. With record production and strong margins, the operation generated 32 million of mine site free cash flow in the quarter, bringing the full year to a new record of $101 million. Full year production of 139,000 ounces was in line with guidance with total cash costs of $451 per ounce and mine site all-in-sustaining costs of $660 per ounce, both well below guidance. 
Work on the Phase 3 expansion continued to ramp up in the fourth quarter with activities focused on permitting, detailed engineering of the shaft and associated infrastructure, and procurement of long lead items. Looking forward to 2021, we expect Island Gold to produce 130 to 145,000 ounces, a total cash cost of between $430 and $480 per ounce, and mine site island sustaining costs of between $750 and $800 per ounce. Exploration results at Island continue to impress. <clears throat> the Phase 3 expansion study released last July was based on the reserves and resources at the end of 2019. A million ounces of high-grade reserves and resources added in 2020 and ongoing exploration success clearly highlight the significant upside to already attractive economics. Following my remarks on the operations, Scott Parsons, Vice President of Exploration, will provide a summary of the ongoing <coughs> exploration success. Moving on to slide nine, Mulatto's produced <clears throat> 31,000 ounces in the fourth quarter, down from earlier in the year, reflecting planned lower grades. <clears throat> Just a minute while I have a glass of water here. <laughs> Full year production of 151,000 ounces exceeded revised guidance. Total cash cost increased to 986 per ounce in the quarter, reflecting the lower grades, but were below guidance for the full year, averaging 816 per ounce. Mindside all-in sustaining costs also increased to 1,426 per ounce in the quarter, reflecting the higher total cash costs and capitalized stripping at El Salto. Lotto is ex expected to produce 150 to 160,000 ounces in 2021, a total cash cost of 840 to 890 per ounce. Mindside all-in sustaining costs are expected to increase to 1,060 to $1,110 per ounce and will be higher during the first half of 2021 reflecting $25 million to complete the pre-stripping of the El Salto pit area. Over to slide 10, construction of La Yaqui Grande continues to ramp up with $8 million spent on the quarter, in the quarter as we focused on clearing the project area, early mining activities, construction of the camp, detailed engineering, and procurement. Pre-stripping activities are ramping up as we speak, with the project on track for initial production in the second half of 2021. 2022. Sorry. With my site, all-in sustaining costs expected to average 580 per ounce, Layaki Grande is expected to significantly reduce Mulatto's combined cost profile. I'll now turn the call over to Scott Parsons to discuss the reserve and resource update. Thank you, Peter. On slide 11, we had an excellent year with respect to exploration, even with smaller-than-planned programs due to COVID-19. Global reserves increased to 9.9 .9 million ounces from 9.7 million ounces. The increases at Island Gold, Young Davidson, and Lynn Lake more than offsetting depletion of 555,000 ounces. Global measured and indicated resources were down 3% to 6.9 million ounces, reflecting some conversion to reserves at Young Davidson and Lynn Lake. Most impressively, deferred resources increased 16% to 7 million ounces, driven by another exceptional year of growth at Island Gold. Moving on to slide 12. Island Gold, once again, was the main driver of our combined reserve and resource growth in 2020. Despite only completing about 60% of our planned drilling in 2020 due to COVID-19, reserve and resources increased by a combined 1 million ounces across all categories, net of depletion. Reserves increased 8% to 1.3 million ounces, with additions of 239,000 ounces in island Maine and east areas, more than offsetting mining depletion of 144,000 ounces. In slide 13, the primary focus of Island Gold remains in defining new near-mine resources, and that is where we continue to see the bulk of our growth. Inferred resources increased 910,000 ounces, or 40% to 3.2 million ounces, the largest annual increase to date. 
Grades also increased 9% to 14.4 grams per ton, with the average grade of the addition significantly higher at 18.6 grams per ton. Most of the additions were in Island East, including a 95,000-ounce increase in the middle portion of Island East, effectively closing the gap between Island Maine and East. The largest and highest grade increase was in the lower portion of Island East, where inferred resources increased 590,000 ounces. The significantly larger inferred resource block now contains a total of 1.3 million ounces, grading 18.3 grams per ton, in proximity to the planned shaft. We saw excellent exploration results in this area in the latter part of 2020, and with the ore chute open laterally, up and down plunge, this area will remain a key focus in 2021. On slide 14, combined reserves and resources at Island Gold now total 4.7 million ounces, a nearly 3 million ounce increase from the 1.8 million ounces at the time of acquisition in 2017. Since acquiring Island Gold in 2017, inferred resources have converted to reserves at a rate of more than 83%. On top of that, we have grown inferred resources by an additional 2.2 million ounces their overall discovery costs averaging $8 per ounce over the past year and $11 per ounce over the past three years. We see excellent potential for this growth to continue with our largest exploration budget to date planned in 2021. We've increased our global exploration budget to $50 million in 2021, double what we spent in 2020. Half of the 2021 budget is allocated to Island Gold, where our focus will remain on adding new near-mine resources as well as evaluating regional targets. We've also increased our exploration budgets at Mulatto's to $9 million and $7 million at each of Young Davidson and Lynn Lake. We are encouraged by our early exploration success at Young Davidson, having intersected higher-grade mineralization below the existing deposits, and at Lynn Lake, where reserves have increased 9%, given the success we're having around the McClellan deposit. With that, I'll turn the call back over to John. Thank you very much, Scott. So that concludes the formal presentation. I'll now uh, hand the call back the operator to open your uh, open the call to your questions. Thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. You may cancel your question at any time by pressing star 2. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register for questions. Thank you for your patience. The first question is from uh, Tyler Langton from J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, I guess just to start at, at Young Davidson, I guess, kind of looking at Q4 results, kind of annualized production, you know, would kind of get you to the low end of 2021 guidance, and then the cash costs for the quarter were kind of below, you know, uh, the low end of your, your guidance for 2021. I guess does that give you maybe some confidence that you could kind of hit the higher end of production in 2021 and the sort of the low end of cash costs, or was there anything, um, I guess, sort of unique about Q4? Yeah, it's, it's Peter here. Thanks, Tyler. I guess, I mean, Q4, we weren't yet running at, uh, I mean, Yes, we did. Uh, we did uh, 7,400. Sorry, 7,600 tons a day. We, we expect 7,500 tons a day in uh, in the first half of uh, of 2021, and 8,000 in, in the second half. Um, so I think I think you know Q4 is, is might be might be a, a decent proxy. Uh, it, it 
it could be a bit it could be a bit low given the fact that uh, we aren't quite up to full tonnage yet and we will be in the second half of the year okay and then just with um i guess the the, the phase three expansion at island gold and then uh Layaki, uh and mulattos just with those with those projects are you seeing any signs uh, of you know cost inflation, just given kind of the recent run up in you know steel prices and oil and diesel, you know, is there any any concerns there? So I'll start with Layaki Grande in Mexico. I mean, uh, most of that capital project, I mean, big chunk of it is pre-stripping, and the, you know those costs are pretty locked in. Uh, it's it's just basically mining costs, which we're haven't haven't escalated. Uh, there's not a lot of steel or or, or anything like that involved in, in that project. There's some earthworks. Uh, and so we haven't we haven't seen anything there yet, and and we've made a lot of a lot of our orders of you know things like crusher parts and whatnot are uh, are already behind us. So uh, and on phase three, you know we're just I, you know I wouldn't expect anything significant there. There's you know you know there'll be there'll be you know normal sort of inflation over the course of the next three or four years as we as we bring that into into product into you know start spending a bit more money on it. But I think I think we're in good shape with our with our estimates there. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much. Thank you. The next question is from Carrie Smith from Haywood Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Thanks, operator. Peter, just for uh, for YD, uh, you're you were suggesting 7,500 ton a day on, as an average for the first half of this year. You did 7,650 tons a day in Q4. Is there Perhaps two mill shutdowns, or maybe you can just tell me how many days of uh, mill shutdowns you've got in that first half. Uh, there'll be a liner change in the first half. I think we're expecting it to happen in 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 you know April, but uh, you know we do we do run that mill to you know absorb those you know that would be like a three or four day shutdown to absorb those shutdowns. You run at a higher rate. Uh, and, the, and the days you're operating and expect to be down for those three or four days, it, it wouldn't impact our, you know, 7,500 ton a day for the H1 target. Okay, but I guess my question is, why why wouldn't it be a little bit higher? You're already out of the gate at 7,650. I would have thought 7,500 seems pretty doable. Yeah, we're we're hoping it's pretty doable. We, we expect <laughs> it to be pretty doable. Okay, okay, and. Um, or maybe Scott can answer this question. Just on the island exploration budget of $25 million, how much of that, say, as a percentage might be spent on the regional targets, which you haven't done much work on? Obviously, now you've got the trailing ground. Maybe just as a percentage, could you give me a sense? Yeah, of the, of the $25 million, we're budgeting about $6 million for the regional exploration program. That's, that's focused on targets across the uh, broader property that we've developed from, um, you know, building out the geologic model at the Island Gold Deposit and testing several several targets we've identified as a result of that. Right, and I think you'd said that it's probably not likely to be much spent at trillion because you just got that ground and there's work to be done there before you start drilling, I think. Yes, we're going to build the, uh, the, the kind of exploration foundation on the, the Trillium uh, ground in 2021, and we'll be uh, more actively exploring that drilling in 2022 and beyond. Okay, great. And, Jim, can you just remind me what your Mexican peso assumption was today? I know I should know this, but I forget. 
Uh, sh sure, Carrie. Yeah, I, I believe we budgeted uh, twenty to one. Uh, we've got we've got about forty five percent of our exposure hedged between twenty one and twenty five. So we're we're pretty well uh, well, well protected in, in terms of you know both our operating costs and our uh, our capital spending at Laiaki Grande. Okay. Okay. Great. And uh, Peter, just one last question on on Young Davidson. The forty four dollars Canadian a ton for your mining costs in Q four. Would that be a pretty good number for for a go forward number for say 2021 and 2022? Yeah, I mean that's where we're heading to. I think once we get to 8,000 tons a day, uh, and you know through this year, uh, you know we're we're heading into that into that kind of range. I mean, it we'll take, takes a few quarters to uh, to see it get dialed in. I think you know it, it all it does bounce around a little bit depending on how much you know, capital development we do versus operating development. So there's some, always some noise in it uh, because of that, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely trending to there. Okay. Yeah, Kerry, we're just as, as a reminder, we're, we're budgeted for uh, low fifties for the first half of the year, dropping to kind of the, the, the mid forties. So where we were in the second half of 2020, we think we'll get back there for the second half of 2021. Okay, perfect. Thanks very much. That's all my questions. Thank you. The next question is from Cosmos2 from CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Thanks, uh, John, Jamie, Peter, and Scott uh, for the conference call here. Great to see, you know, the increase in reserves and resources and also the increase in the dividend. Um, maybe my first question is on the island gold, um, you know, increase in inferred resources. Seems like it's a lot of it, as you mentioned, coming from island yeast. Um, could you remind me, you know, how tight is the spacing in terms of drilling right now to, you know, get into inferred and, you know, what kind of drill spacing do you need it to be to get it into, you know, M&I and later on reserves? Scott, do you want to take that, at least the start of it? Yeah, I can take the start of it. So typically for, for inferred resources, we're anywhere between 30 and 75 meters, depending on, on where we are, we're drilling at. Um, average, I would say, is, is around, say, between 50 and 75 meters. Um, and again, you know, these inferred resources are defined in the geologically con constrained structure. So, you know, they're, it's predictable and, uh, and you know, a strong understanding of the controls on, on mineralization at island. And we have high confidence in, in that classifying those as inferred resources at, at that spacing, um, which is, is, you know, I think uh, realistic for sure. Mm -hmm. And and you know, as a follow up, you know, it's great to see the island yeast. You know, you're looking at 18.59 gram per ton. You know, certainly higher than uh, your reserve grade at this point in time at island. Um, but um, again, you know, inferred. I would imagine mining dilution wasn't factored in. Um, you know, maybe still early stage at this point in time, but. Could you remind me, you know, what kind of mining dilution assumption you've put into your reserves? Uh, and, you know, can that be potentially, you know, even at this early stage be applied if I want to compare apples to apples here? Maybe, um, yes. Chris. Yeah, Chris, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. that. Yeah. Hi, Chris. So it's, we've, we've got a variable um, uh, dilution factor depending on the, <coughs> the scoping type, the area, and, uh, you know, past experience, and it ranges anywhere between... 25 and 50 percent, but I think overall a good average to use would be about 35 percent. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, based on your knowledge right now, that still seems kind of, you know, reasonable if I were to apply that to island yeast. Again, you know, yes. fairly early stage, but. Yeah, that's reasonable. Okay, sounds good. Um, 
And then, you know, bigger picture here, John, as you mentioned, you know, some of these exploration results at Island, you know, could potentially add to the value of, uh, of the new shaft. Uh, I would imagine right now, you know, the mine plan is fairly flexible for you to kind of change things around potentially to maybe, you know, uh, get to some of the higher grades first. Um, again, very early stage right now, but is that is that a possibility? It's certainly a possibility. Uh, it, there's a lot of flexibility in uh, in the way we're approaching this this project, and we still have really another two years of exploration uh, that that we can get under our belt before you know we we start to um, you know make make decisions that um, that limit our options. So we still have a fair amount of flexibility for the next. Uh, the next 24 months anyway so that, uh, that that puts us in a very comfortable position um, an interesting thing about the overall global resource that uh, I think isn't always um, zeroed in on very quickly is the fact that um, you know we've been over the last couple of years you know we've been depleting um, higher cost you know lower recovery ounces in um, in, in our op open pit operations and we're effectively replacing them with um, with high-grade, low-cost ounces in our in our Canadian operation, particularly you know particular to uh, to Island Gold. So you know while the um, you see an incremental increase in the overall uh, reserve picture, the reality is that we're replacing them with uh, with far better ounces. You know it's, you'd rather have ounces with a 95% recovery as opposed to an ounce with uh, a 70% recovery, and uh, and ounces in Canada, in in our opinion, are uh, are a lot uh, a lot more favorable than ounces anywhere else. So from mm -hmm. the overall quality of the reserve, I think we've made a real a real improvement. Yeah, that's that's great to hear. Um, again, uh, on Island Gold, you know, as you I think you or Scott have mentioned uh, trillium mining uh, previously. How does that you know you know you just made the acquisition here so again uh, fairly early but how does that sort of fit into the whole picture here and and i haven't looked at i haven't seen the rocks here at trillium mining yet um so is it you know it's to the east of island so is this potentially on trend with you know island yeast is it the same type of rocks um how should we look at it at this early stage yeah i can, I can take that one yeah. yeah i can take that one so to trillium essentially uh Two main strategic reasons for the acquisition. One and the most important is, you know, as we've been drilling off Island East to the east and down Plunge, we, we've, you know, obviously been interpreting the the strike and dip of the deposit as we've been going, and it does appear that eventually it will uh, cross or come close or cross over the, the the property boundary. So what the acquisition did for us is remove any sort of land tenure risk that we'd be worried about from an exploration perspective in the long term. So it's a long term. Mm -hmm long-term strategy it really opens up the deposit uh down plunge and, and the long strike to the east and the second part of that is you know the mitch Picotten greenstone belt which is where the island gold deposits located um you know has seen you know 100 years of kind of off and on exploration um going back to kind of the same showings that have been defined over the years and, and we feel you know with the approach we're taking in terms of a systematic exploration approach across the, the broader belt that uh, there are significant opportunities that can be unlocked. So from a regional exploration perspective, uh, it fits well with our strategy of consolidating around our operations, in this case, Island Gold, and, and 
applying a systematic approach, understanding the controls of mineralization and, and targeting and exploring uh, from there. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, maybe, you know, a financial question here. Um, you know, as you talked about in the MDNA, you know, you're making a deposit of $20 million in terms of taxes payable in Q1. Um, that's how it is, I know, given, uh, you know, the timing of these tax payments. But I guess my question is, with all the money you're spending on Layaki Grande in 2021, uh, would that uh, CapEx be able to offset some of your, um, you know, profits at, at Mulatos in 2021? And, uh, you know, what should we make as an assumption here? Yes, absolutely, Cosmo. So, I mean, you'll, you would have seen that we generated $68 million in, in free cash flow at, at Mulatos in 2020. So that's, uh, that, that, that's the reason behind the, the, the big $20 million plus uh, tax installment that's due uh, here th- this quarter. Uh, we can absolutely uh, deduct the majority of, of, of that, those stripping costs and, and other construction costs at La Yaki Grande against our, our 2021 uh, cash flow. So we, we'd expect a, a substantially lower um, tax installment in Q1 of 2022. Mm-hmm. Great. And then one last question on, on foreign exchange here. Um, you know, the Canadian dollar has strengthened uh, quite a bit um, year to date. Um, you know, if I go back to your MDNA, I think right now you're assuming 0.75 to 1 in terms of uh, the C dollar, US dollar exchange rate. Every five cents change is a $30 million, you know, difference in free cash flow. Um, I think only a small portion of it is hedged at this point in time. Jamie, could you remind me what your, you know, hedging strategy is and, and you know, how you look at it uh, given the, you know, current strengthening in the Canadian dollar? Sure, yeah. I mean, we, we've been looking for opportunities, obviously, to, to, to increase uh, our, our, our hedge position over, I'd say, probably the last six months. But uh, you know, Canadian dollar seen some pretty significant strength, so so we haven't been able to do as as, as much as we'd like. I think we've got about 10% of our uh, of our 2021 exposure covered between uh, you know 76 and 72 cents. So uh, it it is a small portion. If if we do see uh, pretty dramatic weakening in in the Canadian dollar, then we'd be aggressive uh, in, in terms of hedging. Otherwise, we'll, we'll be we'll be price takers for for the time being, and it does have an impact. Um, you know, currently at at, uh, at at eighty cents relative to our budget, that's that's a thirty million dollar impact on our free cash flow for the year. Mm-hmm. Great, thanks a lot, uh, everyone. Those are the questions I have, and I you know look forward to the remainder of twenty twenty one. Thank you. The next question is from uh, Fahad Tariq from Credit Swiss. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, thanks for taking my question. I apologize if I missed this, but as you think about um, capital allocation, maybe in the medium term, if you were to get the permit approval or the renewal at Karazli, is, is it fair to think that Lynn Lake competes for capital with Karazli? Is there a preference for one project over the other? Uh, any color there would be helpful. Thanks. Yeah, I, I can uh, feel that. I I would suggest that um, Lynn Lake is still um, 18 to to 24 months off before we start spending any significant capital in uh, in getting it going because we we've, we've just got to go through the the, nor- the normal permitting process, whereas Karasli is um, is fully permitted at this point. So theoretically, uh, if we were to get our um, our, our licenses uh, renewed, we would uh, we'd be able to get back to back to work there fairly quickly. But it's um, 
the approach that we're taking right now is um, is uh, one one of um, uh, talking to Turkish um, mining companies. Uh, we, we've been approached by um, by several, and we're talking to Turkish mining companies about coming in alongside of of us and, uh, and partnering on that project. So, um, you know, if, if, since we're sort of talking theoretically anyway, uh, theoretically, um, I would envision as we take the next significant step going forward in Turkey, we're likely to do that with a partner, which would significantly offset our, our capital commitment there. Okay, great. And maybe just as a follow-up then, so um, theoretically, if you were to get a partner at Karazli, then um, is, it, is the idea that the partner would help with maybe some of the permitting issues, or is it more that it would free up capital to uh, then do Lynn Lake as well, or both? Uh, probably both. Um, clearly, uh, one of the one of, one of the reasons to bring on a partner is that they're going to help you in some way, shape, or form. And and since we have all the techn- technical expertise we require, and and we have all the all the money that we require in order to build that project, uh, you know, where we're going to need the, the the most help is is just sort of navigating, you know, the Turkish politics, navigating that side of it. So. Um, you know, hopefully that you know if we're smart enough to bring on a partner that can uh, legitimately lend a hand on that front. So um, certainly any um, any capital that they would put up in in terms of um, purchasing an interest in the project that would go some way to um, uh, giving us additional capital that we could uh, redeploy in uh, in Canada. Got it. Thank. That's very that's very clear. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 on your telephone keypad if you have a question. We have a question from Mike Parkin from National Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my questions, and congrats on the good quarter. Uh, most of my questions were answered, uh, but could you speak to you know, why the, the lower mine has been running now for several months, uh, kind of a, effectively two quarters to date. Uh, can you give us some commentary in terms of how it's performing? Is it, you know, on a daily rate, are you seeing uh, basically ex- ex- uh, exceeding expectations? And can you just remind me on the permit there, uh, do you have a daily operating cap or is it a, an annual average? Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, I mean, the ability to <clears throat> ability to operate uh, at YD with that with that lower mine infrastructure is is, is kind of night and day from what we had in in the upper mine. Um, it is performing very well. Uh, you know, you can tell by our tonnages that uh, you know we're exceeding numbers. We we I don't think we've ever exceeded our are or very rarely exceeded our our expectations in the past and and we're exceeding our uh, you know have been exceeding our expectations so it continues to perform well running since uh i guess uh, mid mid july we've had you know daily rates i mean to to average 8000 tons a day you need to have you know cuz you have to be down uh for maintenance you know various times you have to be you know you have to be skipping waste also i mean that that Shaft needs to put out 10,000 tons a day, um, and we do that, right? Some ore, some days ore and waste, some days just ore. 
we've averaged 7,500 tons a day. So uh, we see that no longer being an imp- impediment to getting to our 8,000 ton a day target. It's, it's operating very well. Um, you know, you have to develop all the stopes in front of it and be in good shape otherwise and, and have uh, everything feeding it properly. And, and we're there. Uh, I think the second part of your question was Just yeah, our the permitting. operating yeah. permit. So, you know, it, it boils down to a milling permit and it is a, it is a per day number it, and it's, it's quite high. It's, it's well above what we would, we, we over permitted there. I think we're permitted to 10,000 tons per day. We are, we won't, we don't have any plans to operate it uh, at that level. So we, we are not in a situation where the, the mill will slow us down. Okay. So I don't even think the talking. mill could do, the mill can't even do 10,000 tons a day, but we're per, it currently, I mean, yeah, sure. You could do something to, to get it there. Uh, but it, it has no problem doing on average 8,000 tons a day. All right, super. And then uh, maybe a, a question for the Scott Parsons and the exploration side of things. Uh, with YD, you know, you, you made the smart decision to kind of halt um, further drilling at depth at YD until you kind of got down lower. Are you kind of established and set up to resume that, you know, drilling to continue exploring deeper into the YD West uh, extension? Yeah, absolutely. So with the lower mine infrastructure in place, we, we did start drilling in uh, in 2020 with a limited program and really you know, starting to test uh, opportunities um, down plunge of, of the deposit, um, both the YD West and then the main part of Young Davidson. But also, um, I can't emphasize enough the exploration potential, um, you know, in the hanging wall and football of the deposit. It's really seen limited testing. We're sitting along the uh, Cadillac Water Lake uh, salt system. Um, you know, there, there's there's significant opportunities there, and, and as I, po- I alluded to in the uh, at the end of, of my exploration update, you know, we did intersect um, some higher grade mineralization in both the hanging wall and foot wall, and, uh, and this is going to require obviously a lot more work to, uh, to define a, you know the geometry of these structures and, and any potential continuity of mineralization. But it just points to the upside. So you know, not only do I see upside in, in expanding the existing reserve and resource within the cyanite, but also other opportunities in different uh, different settings, geological settings. And then right. we will be ramping up, as I mentioned, to uh, to a second drill, um, underground drill, uh, within the next few months and, and start evaluating some of those opportunities. Super. Thanks very much. That's it for me, guys. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. The next question is from Lawson Winder from Bank of America. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Mr. Winder, your line is open. Please proceed with your question. Yeah, thank you very much, operator. And uh, hi, guys. Thank you for taking my questions here today. Uh, Hello to you all. just, uh, I wanted to ask about the, the stockpile at uh, at both Island and YD. In particular, at Island, it seems the underground's been running a little bit ahead of the mill. Um, are you able to uh, provide where that stockpile sits today? Yeah, we've got about about thirty thousand tons at around uh, five grams. Okay, great, thanks. And then, and then at YD. Uh not a significant stockpile. It's it's maybe coming into the year we had uh again, maybe in the thirty thousand tons uh at you know, typical uh kind of reserve grade. But it doesn't last so long at YD at the milling rates we have there. 
Okay, that's that's great. And then just um, oh, we have, similar we, have uh, we have some very low grade stockpile that's on the books as well. But I mean, that's for sometime way in the future. Yeah, no, of course. Um, now, Peter, just in that similar vein at, at Island, the um, you know for Q4, I, I, I had expected you guys would be a lot closer to the 1,200 tons per day, and I'm just curious. Is the reason that you were, and I apologize if you already touched on this, I, I unfortunately was on the call a little bit late, but um, is the reason that you were a little below that 1,200 tons per day related to, to COVID at all? And and then looking forward to 2021, um, is it fair to expect 1,200 tons to, to, per day to be uh, achieved on sort of yep. like a, a full-year basis? Yeah, so the mining the mining was at 1,200 tons a day. I think you're referring to the milling rate, which which was just a bit below that. We did um, we did have some unscheduled uh, crusher challenges in in the fourth quarter, which you know had us down for four or five days, um, and uh, you know caused our caused our tonnage to be a bit off for the quarter. We were you know Island has the benefit of being able to juggle uh, high grade, medium grade, and low grade stockpiles, so we could still make our uh, our ounces for the quarter but yeah we you you should expect 1200 tons a day for 2021 great super helpful and then um just a, a question on uh, capital allocation and capital return you guys um you know for the, for the last couple of quarters have clearly indicated a uh, preference for the dividend but just going forward um, can we expect that to continue to be the case vis-a-vis the uh, buyback? Yeah, Lawson, it, it, it's Jamie. I, I can take that. I think our, our preferences has always been uh, to, you know, return the, the majority of what we're going to return to shareholders through the dividend rather than, than the buyback. Uh, we use the, the, the buyback opportunistically when we see a pretty significant uh, dislocation in the share price, but there's limitations associated with uh, normal course issuer bid that we're, we're blacked out about 50% of the time. So it's, it's often hard for us to, uh, to, to, to act on it when, when, when we'd like to. So uh, I, I think, you know, we, we, we like the, 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 the discipline and uh, the, 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 the discipline associated with the dividend. And, and I think we're comfortable with the, with the level it's at currently of, you know, about 40 million uh, U.S. annually. I think that's a that, that, that's a decent return and something that we can uh, well afford. Um, at the same time as you know, investing in in, in our uh, other growth projects. Okay, and I mean it's actually below the the payout percentage where it's been historically. So I don't disagree with you on that. Um, uh, and then just maybe one final conceptual question um, on on Mexico and going forward. Um, Basically, the history of Alamo, since I've been following it, has been a transition away from Mexico and toward Canada. And, um, I mean, would it be fair to think that, you know, the investment you're doing now in Layaki is potentially the last big investment you do in Mexico? Or, you know, looking the other way, do you, do you see, you know, additional potential exploration upside in the Malatos area or in that anywhere in the jurisdiction? How do you think about Esperanza? And, you know, just how, how do you think about Alamos and being in Mexico as a jurisdiction going forward? Well, it's, uh, John, I, I can take that. We still, um, we still believe Mexico is uh, an attractive jurisdiction. I think there's, there's going to be lots of opportunity in the years ahead in Mexico. Uh, they're going through a difficult time right now. Uh, the country's been hit very hard by COVID. Um, as everyone is aware, there is uh, ongoing issues with uh, 
with narco trafficking in that country, and, um, and it started to directly affect the mining industry uh, over the last couple of years as uh, as uh, that criminal element uh, turned its turned its um, its interest towards the mining industry and and started to, started to uh, rob gold mining operations, including ours last April. So um, those were certainly significant causes uh, cause for concern for for us. Um, but as things have been unfolding in Mexico, um, you know, Alamos uh, has has benefited tremendously from uh, continuing to explore in the Mulatos district. Um, and as we as we made new discoveries, we've extended uh, mine life uh, from what we had originally, which would have seen us uh, stop production back in in 2012. Um, here we are still mining in 2021, and, and we we have good sight lines uh, through 2027. Um, it's it's um, you know been fortunate for us that every couple of years we've we've made a, a really good discovery uh, in that Mulatos district, and, and that's kept us going. But um, it's 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 just a fact that um, earlier on it was easier because we. You know, we were going after the most obvious things. Most of the things uh, we, we ended up developing, uh, they had pretty pretty good surface expression that we were able to follow up on. But going forward now, the challenge is to be able to uh, use geophysics and, and other other geological exploration techniques to um, effectively look down beneath cover and try to find uh, the, the, the more the more hidden deposits that uh, that may be uh, existing in that district. We've still only covered maybe 20% of, uh, of of the Mulatos uh, district, you know, the holdings that we have under claim. So there's still a substantial amount of uh, exploration upside there. Um, you know, we're under the current circumstances. You know, we're not particularly aggressive about uh, about making further acquisitions in in Mexico. And we do have a very strong preference for Canada, uh, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, the the reality is, uh, you know, Alamos has always been very opportunistic and um, and also very patient. So when we see uh, opportunities evolve, and, we, and if we see the country uh, continue to evolve and and um, and, and turn its uh, attention to attracting and, and encouraging. Uh, investment there again, um, you know, will respond. But for the time being, I think our our, our better opportunities lie in Canada, and uh, that's why we've been heavily investing there. And in the meantime, um, you know, we'll we'll continue keeping things going in our Mulatos district, where, you know, by any measure, it's it's been a tremendous success. You know, project that we acquired for ten million dollars originally, we've made well over four hundred million dollars from that project, and. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, we, we wouldn't be where we are today without it. So we're we're very grateful for Mulatos and for the start it gave us. That's great color, John. Much appreciated. Take care, guys. That's all for me. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. This concludes more, this morning's call. If you have any further questions that have not been answered, please feel free to contact Mr. Scott Parsons at 416-368-9932, extension 
5439-416-368-9932, extension 5439. Thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.